podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sand Talk, the beach soccer podcast supported by La Liga. With thanks to Beach Soccer Worldwide partners, Puma, Iconic, United Nations Alliance for Civilizations and Genius. Thank you all for believing in the sport. Hello and welcome to Sand Talk, the Beach Soccer Podcast. And as we sit here on the tail end of lockdown, we are dreaming now of a summer of beach soccer. Hello, my name is Mark Pendergast, sometime beach soccer commentator, and I'm joined by Matt Mills. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm all right. And uh, I'd like to point out there for everyone, it's the tail end of lockdown for us here in the UK. If you got longer in lockdown, we're very sorry for you. But hopefully, as Mark says, we'll have some beach soccer for you coming up very soon. Can we stamp it official? It's tail end. We just look forward to beach soccer from now on. Is that we'll go with that flow with this podcast? Yep. Okay. okay. Mindless optimism. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the mindless. <laughs> right on today's show, we've got a very special guest coming up. Matt will tell us more about that in just a second. Uh, we'll be speaking to Mr. Beach Soccer. Now, this man has been doing wonderful things in Africa. He's been known in Iran, Germany, Luxembourg. It is a great story. Matt has interviewed him. We'll speak to him in just a little bit. Uh, plus as well, plenty of news around the world of beach soccer. South America has been absolutely buzzing with tournaments at the moment. There's the first African team to make it into the top 50 in club beach soccer. News on that. Plus as well, big tournaments in America as they look for the next generation of beach soccer stars. Hello, this is Majer, and you are listening to Sand Talk, the Beat Shocker podcast. So, Matt, I picked you up there with the news. What should we start off with? Should we go conquer calf? Have I said that correctly? You have said that correctly, but I think this just in, breaking news, well, fairly breaking news in, in, in podcast terms anyway, and the thing that I want to talk about, Mark, and I want to get your opinion on, is Ramiro Amarelli, new head coach of Trinidad and Tobago. What do you think about that? Big news. Smart, smart move. I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Where small countries, they get a big-name coach in who understands the sport, who can really drive things forward. And you're talking in the space of months, in weeks even, the improvement is absolutely huge. And you can see small nations. We've seen Tahiti. We saw the Bahamas during the last World Cup going to the knockout phase. These smaller nations, when they get it together... They can improve so quickly. So I think this is a really smart move by Trinidad and Tobago. And obviously they've got a tradition in football. They've qualified for the World Cup back in 2006. So there is momentum behind the team. It's not just about cricket over there. Yeah, I think we can expect great things from that partnership. So watch this space. I managed to talk to Ramiro Amorelli about his time in the Caribbean, how he's enjoying it, and exactly what he thinks he can do with the talent he's got available to him there. Being in Trinidad is an exciting and old experience in itself. If it is also linked to beach soccer, I think uh, you can ask for more. For us, it's an honor to be able to represent Trinidad and have the, the challenge, the opportunity to work on the development of the beach soccer in the country. And soccer, uh, ah, the culture and the people will be an amazing experience for us. I think this this could be the start of something very big and maybe even qualification for the World Cup. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was going to say is, is can he take Trinidad and Tobago to their first ever beach soccer World Cup? Do you think he can? 
Interesting, because we're in unprecedented times, aren't we? So we don't know what the situation is with all the other teams, even the bigger name teams. They might not have had time to do training camps. They not, might not have been able to leave their country for any length of time. They might not have even been able to meet up. So Trinidad and Tobago can get time together. It could be a surprise package. We, we've seen it before. The good coaches make it seem easy. Shinzi did it with Tahiti. Uh, we've had it uh, previously as well. Marcelo Mendes went into the UAE when they first hosted the World Cup and he created a team from you know, a, a sport that was played on sand before, of course, in the UAE because there's plenty of it, but beach soccer as a sport was not played and he created a team now and a legacy is that the UAE are one of the top teams in Asia and one of the top teams in the world. So I think, yeah, could be big things for Trinidad. I think it's always difficult playing against Trinidad and Tobago. Does that, <laughs> does that count as two teams at one time? <laughs> okay, and elsewhere in the world, while we're talking about qualifications for the World Cup, CAF have just released their match schedule for the first matches for their qualifiers. Now, it's a little bit of a strange structure this time because they've got a preliminary round, which is basically a head-to-head with a home and away game, which is and, and this is the match schedule that was released today. And that round is to qualify for the main qualifier, which has already, uh, already been announced is going to take place in Senegal. So Egypt and Senegal have already qualified for that round, for that, uh, for that event. I think it'll be watch this space on this one because obviously things are changing on a daily basis for countries. Again, this could be some real surprise packages going to the World Cup or another way of putting it will be the teams that are the most organised, the teams that have got it together early enough and probably the teams that have the least lockdown restrictions are going to be the ones that do well. Where's your mindless optimism gone? <laughs> Sorry, too pragmatic for that, too old, too cynical, the mindlessness is gone. I can be mindless, but not optimistic. You can only be mindless in the introduction because you're excited to see me. And believe it or not, we're going to Costa Rica uh, because Switzerland have just touched that. Well, going to have a week there, going to do some training, and they're going to play four friendlies against their Costa Rican hosts, who, who will, of course, be very keen to get some games under the belt ahead of the qualifiers. Angelo Sorinzi named his 10-man squad. And this is what the big man had to say about the time in Costa Rica. And it's important for us to have four good preparation matches for the World Cup qualifier and for the World Cup, of course, and for this hopefully long season that we will play in Europe. We are very glad and we are very happy to go to Costa Rica now and to start again with our beloved sport. What a place Costa Rica is to play beach soccer. I've been there on holiday. And if they do want to send me for any qualifiers, I'm, I'm more, more than willing to go again, OK? I, I don't mind going back to a place I've been to Hey, before. back of the queue. What a place. What a place for beach soccer. What a country. And again, if they're playing Switzerland, four times they'll play Switzerland. They will learn so much from that. And they'll, they'll probably be watching Strinzi train his team and everything else like that. So they'll pick up a lot there. So, again... Costa Rica, another decent team when it comes to football, another well-organised federation, they could do really well. This is interesting as well because this qualifier is going to be especially good to watch. You've got Amareles, Trinidad and Tobago. Costa Rica, after coming off the back of four games against Switzerland and probably learning a thing or two from Angelo Chirinzi and playing at home, El Salvador, who are looking better than ever, USA, who are looking better than ever, Mexico, who just always qualify going to be hard to pick the there's only two seedings going to be hard to pick the two seedings before the tournament and with all the other factors i said before throw them into the mix and we will see what happens come qualifying time i think there'll be a few surprise packages in moscow later this year there will and as mark mentioned earlier 
South America is a buzz. Is that a phrase? A buzz? It is now. Okay, it is now. South America is a buzz with beach soccer at the minute. Both Uruguay and Argentina are staging their leagues. And in Uruguay, we've got the first ever women's league, which is absolutely brilliant. The Uruguayan league looks pretty good. I've been watching highlights on social media. Uh, what they do have, though, is it's kind of like watching almost basketball on sand because, like, courtside seats where, where the camera is. But it's, it's you know, it's it's good beach soccer. It's quick. And what I like about it is played under lights. So it gives it that atmosphere. And it's something I got, you know, I hadn't seen for a while at any kind of football was actually a bit of a crowd there. So, yeah, it's been a very good tournament and continues on as we speak. So we've done Central-ish America. We've done South America. And let's go to the USA uh, we spoke about this in our last podcast. They were talking about identifying as much new talent as possible. They had a talent ID tournament in America, and by all accounts, pretty successful, Matt. Looks like it. And uh, Francis has been Francis Farberoff, that is head coach of both men and women's. Maybe we'll see some new names on the US beach soccer scene in this coming 2021 season. I get the feeling, having read a few things on social media, especially from Brian Esler, who's heavily involved in the women's game over there, he was really excited about the talent that the, the female game was showing during this tournament. I think you could definitely see some fresh players making appearances for the USA very soon. Fingers and toes crossed, and of course, COVID permitting. And as well, it was good to see it being played on the East Coast, because normally... Beach soccer is a huge West Coast sport in California in particular, so they are spreading the gospel far and wide across the USA. We're going to go over to Africa, where Kebi have made it into the 50 top clubs in the world, and that makes them the top club in Africa, which, as you may have seen on social media, they're very proud of, Mark. Yeah, it's a great achievement for Kebi. They, they produced a tournament there that looked very exciting when I saw the, the pictures of it. In fact, I just want to play you a little bit of the promo for this. And have seen 12 teams compete, showcasing local footballing talent, exciting skills and youthful exuberance. After 10 rounds of matches, the final chapters of the Maiden Edition are about to be written. That takes us straight back to Nigeria when we've both been there for beach soccer tournaments. And if there's any country in the world that can make anything sound absolutely huge, every single second of every single tournament, the whole crowd is bouncing and it's just so full of energy. Yeah, absolutely love Nigeria. Probably, I'm not going to say my favourite country that I've been to with beach soccer, but it's up there, definitely. Aaron Clark named it as his favourite event, that just the vibe there is unlike anything he's experienced before, and he's absolutely right. You get there early, obviously, as a commentator, and they have the MC there and the DJs. How to describe this? You can imagine early in the morning, maybe, the cleaning staff are there sweeping up. Okay, when the cleaning staff are there sweeping up, the MC is egging them on from the first moment. <laughs> Okay, the crowd are cheering on the fella sweeping the stands and it does not stop until the last ball has been kicked and then they've done about three or four laps of honour. The ball boys are singing and dancing as it goes. It is absolutely unbelievable in terms of atmosphere. I think there in South America are the two places you would expect to be vibrant, full of energy when it comes to any form of football and especially beach soccer. It is absolutely fantastic. That's it for the news and just a quick round of applause for Kebi being the first African team to make the top 50 in the club beach soccer rankings. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it is sometimes individual names who light the fire of beach soccer in certain countries with certain clubs. Within years, that particular country, that particular club becomes huge. Now often it's on the international scene, sometimes it's club coaches who do it, but it's not very often you get somebody who can do club and country beach soccer 
on two different continents at the same time. Matt caught up with a man who has done exactly that. Gabriel Mohagagi. He may actually be a name that a lot of beach soccer fans recognise. I think he first burst onto the scene for a non-beach soccer related topic. If you remember, Mark, in Euro Winners Cup in 2018, there was a proposal pitch side. Rail Munster goalkeeper proposed to his wife. I think she's his wife now. Do you remember that? I do indeed. Well, yes, that's the man. That's about. the man. And that's the first time that I spoke to him. But since then, he has taken Rail Munster to third in the Euro Winners' Cup. That was an incredible feat. 13th in the world now as well, by the way. 13th in the, rankings, in the world. 13th yep. ranked club in the world. And the first German team to make the knockout stages at the Euro Winners' Cup. So hats off to that man. But he doesn't stop there. He's also been over to Senegal, fishing for talent, and he's the Luxembourg coach. I was lucky enough to catch up with him. And uh, as an Iranian, it felt only fitting that I started off by asking him about beach soccer in his country, where he comes from, and how he brought that over to Europe. In Iran, we have a very good league. I think because that, uh, Iran beach soccer is uh, very professional. Uh, I, am, I, am, I am very proud of Iran because I see for distance uh, every game uh, for Iran beach soccer. I have very good contact with uh, federation. With, with, with Real Münster, 2015, I started professional. I, I built from zero to 100. We are a good team. It was the third place playoff against Marbella, I remember, because I was in the, in the press box, in the media, and you were suspended, I think, from the game before. And the moment the final whistle went, you over the barrier. Yeah, uh, you, you, know, you know why uh, I play beach soccer? Uh, we have beach soccer team in, in uh, Münster. Directly told me, beach soccer? We don't have sea. Wow, we don't have sand here. What, yeah. what is beach soccer? When, uh, very, very hard for me. When I see we have, uh, we have success, I begin from zero, is fantastic. For me, Euro winners, we win for seven games, six games, uh, with 46 goals. We show German beach soccer. We can we can play here. We can play. We can good play here beach soccer in Germany. We have very good players. We have Christian Biermann, Sasha Weirauch, and other top player Anton, uh, Georgi. We have here in Germany top player. We need uh, more more training. Okay, so let's move on to Luxembourg. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? But most importantly, what are your ambitions? For, for, for a relatively small football country? We need to show. We need to show beach soccer. When, when, when one football player for first time come, uh, come and play, uh, beach soccer is, is very hard for him. We, we need more time. And uh, I think in future, in next two, three years, uh, we, ha we have a one good uh, beach soccer team in Luxembourg. Quickly, let's move on to the camps in Senegal. Another thing that, that you do in, in the world of beach soccer. Uh, tell us a bit what, what has happened so far with that and what's your plan for the future? Yeah, for, um, I, have, I have now very good uh, investor, very good sponsor. Uh, German embassy helped me. German, uh, uh, Senegal Federation helped us. Uh, now is everything well. Everything fine. Uh, the, this academy is for poor, poor uh, children. 
right i try now i try now uh, meet every every week training i send video and uh, my coach ibra tuna uh, ibra tuna was my my player 2018 uh, now now is in senegal is a now is a coach for academy i send him every week video i tell him uh, okay when i come i can show you the training when i don't can come i have uh, work here i send you video you can uh, training every week we training now every week with uh, academy i try to build one stadium for academy in in senegal for me for me it's, it's very nice i was uh, off the street in senegal i come from hotel out people see me hello gabriel how are you fine fine job thank you thank you very much when i see that I know um, my, my job is uh, right. I think a smart man and a smart move taking over Luxembourg. As we've spoken about before, it's not always the size of the country that matters. It's the pool of players you have, and how much resources you put into it and how much experience you have of coaching top sides. And that man fits the bill. And I also had time, somehow, to catch up with the England Beach soccer captain, Sarah Kempson. I've enjoyed the last kind of five, six years in beach soccer, I've had some really great opportunities to, to play um, around the world um, for different club teams and also on the international stage. So I'm really lucky to be part of that and also really lucky to be part of a, a great setup in England. Um, some, some really talented players, which means on the international stage, we've been, been really competitive. So yeah, I've, in, I've enjoyed my kind of most recent years. How it all started in beach soccer, I suppose. You're a talented footballer as well. So what, what, what made you switch to sand? Kind of, I played um, grassroots for a long time and I was playing a couple of leagues down from where I started and I was playing for Perry Northeast, who's the coach at Portsmouth. And he had his links with uh, beach soccer through the men's and, and he was really passionate about setting up a women's uh, team and getting England uh, women's beach soccer on the map. Um, he tried to get me to play a few times, but I was still playing um, and wanted to compete um, in grass football. Um, but then uh, he got me on the sand once um, and then I was hooked um, when we played an exhibition game against Switzerland and uh, we lost against Switzerland and it was kind of that, that was the hook point for me. I remember Molly Clark in her first ever exhibition game scored an overhead kick and I just thought, I, I want to be part of this. Um, and we had about a thousand England fans there and it was, it was an incredible kind of experience. So from then onwards, I, I kind of put football um, on the back burner and just invested all my time in beach soccer and it's paid dividends. We've, we've had an amazing kind of experience. So, yeah, that's kind of the start. Already been champions of Europe with England. That was in 2017 when you won the world's best player. So where does the England team go from here? It's trying to get a, a bit more consistent with our performances. Uh, we, we, in the last few years, we've kind of gone up and down our performances, which is, which is beat shocker at the end of the day. There's, there's some amazing teams out there and that's the way the game works. But we want to retain our, our number one spot. That's our first kind of... Uh, aim to, to get the Euros, compete well, um, and hopefully regain uh, that title. My favourite Sarah Kempson moment was that goal against Brazil. 5-5, last minute, you are basically standing on your own goal line and you just fire one in the top corner exactly when the team needed it. And that was I was on the sidelines for that and it just blew my mind. Brazil finished with a bronze medal and that was their first ever official beach soccer tournament that's pretty scary yeah i think we we were quite aware because a lot of the brazilian players although they didn't hadn't formed an international team 
Um, we were really aware of the players because they played across European club teams. So even though they had no previous experience in international tournament, um, we expected them to, to, to finish top four because we knew the calibre of players they had. Um, we obviously didn't expect the game to be... No one expects a game like that. It was, it was crazy. And obviously our preparation for the game, we had a couple of players who got banned in the group stages for, for a couple of yellows. So we were in a really unique situation. Um, but, you know, credit to Brazil. It was an incredible game. Both teams scored amazing goals. Um, and it was a real, you know, I, we've watched the game back many times because for us, it was a real kind of important point of psychological kind of strength as a team and things like that. And also it was an amazing game to watch. So, um, I can imagine in the future Brazil are going to be um, well, we've got Brazil, Spain, Russia, you know, us. There's a lot of teams up there now. Beach soccer, more than football, which most of the players have experience in, is all about those seconds. You know, it can change in seconds like that. Do you think that's maybe more important to keep keep your head in a beach soccer game? I'm huge on kind of psychology in sport, and for me, during that semi final, even when we were five two down, I never thought we were going to lose the game, and that's like a really hard. I, I can't explain it. I, I can't explain how my mind works like that. But I was, I was thinking, we're still in this. We're still in this. As a squad, we really have that. We, we don't think it's ever over. Um, and, and that kind of ability to, to flip a game and, and carry the momentum through is really kind of valuable. Even in the last second when Adri had a, almost a penalty in effect, it almost, almost becomes autonomous, everything you do. You know, if you ask me, what did you think about when you took the free kicks? I couldn't tell you. I just did it. So it's it's those moments where you just do things and things just happen because it's clicking and it's right. And I think that is all down to mentality. Sarah Kempson there of England's Beach Soccer Team. And speaking of England's Beach Soccer Team, there was a fantastic article on the Athletic website. If you do subscribe to it, check it out. Just search Beach Soccer there. I talked about this with you, Matt, didn't I? It's the England's only glory time in the World Cup. And it's the only time they qualified for the World Cup way back in I think the very first sort of pre-FIFA days 1995-ish 96 when he contained former pros like Luther Blissett Steve Sherwood who was the Watford goalkeeper in the 1984 Cup Final Frank Worthington who was renowned more for his off the field activities than his on the field activities and England in that tournament finished third the first tournament on the Coca Cabana beach final obviously won by Brazil I don't know if you've seen any footage of this talk, the original Beach Soccer World Cup, Matt. Uh, I've seen footage of it, but uh, I was two years old at the time, so blissfully unaware. <laughs> it's so strange to watch in a way because obviously it features ex-players and compared to now, it is just so slow. It's almost like the action replays we get in Beach Soccer nowadays. I mean, the, the skills are fantastic, as you can imagine. If Zico and the likes of Frank Worthington, who was a real skillful player for England, played, but just not quite at the same pace it is nowadays. But check it out. If you search on The Athletic, England's beach soccer team, you can read a fantastic article there. And that just about does it for this episode of Santor, the beach soccer podcast. We'll be back soon as the 2021 season picks up. And remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, as well as follow Beach Soccer Worldwide on all social media platforms. We're even on TikTok, aren't we, Mark? Your favourite social media platform. Exactly. You won't see me ever dancing there on TikTok. I only watch. I particularly enjoyed the one this month, which was, is it someone doing a dance on top of a football to Thriller Michael Jackson? Yeah, that's the... Uh, the. Matt, don't say any more. I think I've done a tease enough for that. People are going to sign up for that account now in droves after I've just told them that. If you want to see a German man on a beach soccer ball dancing to Thriller, that is the only place you will find it. Catch you next time for more Sand Talk. 
the Beach Soccer Podcast. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.